Hi guys, welcome back to the What About podcast. We've got loads of great things coming up over the year, finishing this series on culture at Christchurch and then moving on to other big topics that we're going to be discussing like discipleship, depression and much more. As usual, we're going to be chatting to leaders here and getting to grips with what we stand for as a church, both theologically and practically. Today we're looking at how a church should be sending and mission focused and we're joined this week by Sai, who leads the church here and we're also joined by Andy Johnston who was preaching to us a few weeks ago and also used to lead the church here before. Sai, great to have you both with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you, really good to be here. Awesome. Well, maybe just start by introducing yourselves a bit. Obviously, there'll be some people listening who may not know uh, either of you and uh, so just introduce yourselves a bit and maybe a couple of experiences you guys have had with with mission through your ministries you go first Sai. okay okay yep sure uh, yep so i'm uh, i'm Sai, and i lead the, the, the church here married anna we have four children and i've been in the sunshine coast as they call this part of the world east sussex for the last six years now and it's gosh flown by really and yeah we we moved up here to lead Christchurch from Southampton where Andy is now based down there and we we were in Southampton for a number of years originally I'm from from Bournemouth area so that's where I grew up went to came to back to the Lord there and and then uh, in 2006 2007 felt called to help do a church plant in Southampton was involved with that and then a bit later God moved me across to King's Community Church where I was from 2015 till I came here uh, sorry 2012 to 2015 when I came uh, here and Andy went down to Southampton yeah, it was like one of those football transfer deals where there was there was swapsies rather than money exchange, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit like that, although it wasn't. A, I don't think it was quite planned like that, was it? But obviously, God had a plan. <laughs> well, indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm Andy, uh, married to Jana, got three grown-up kids, got two grandchildren. I've been uh, a pastor now for ooh, 21 years. I re- 22 years. I can remember as a little boy imagining, what am I going to be doing in the year 2000? And actually, it was the year 2000, 1st of January 2000, that I quit teaching. I've been a school teacher for nearly 15 years, quit teaching and became a full-time pastor. I've been a, a non-staff elder for a number of years before that. And uh, as Simon said, yeah, we returned to Southampton in 2015. We'd actually, uh, my wife and I had met here as students, and we'd been part of a church here for about 12 years before we went to Sussex. So, in fact, we, we left Southampton originally just after the Berlin Wall came down. And so when we returned in 2015, we thought, my, oh, my, the world's changed since we were last here. <laughs> Amazing. One of the great things from, from both of your stories is, is the way that God has sent each of you in, in different seasons, moving you on when his, his timing's right, serving in different areas and positions. And it would just be great to touch a little bit more on that during uh, the duration of this podcast. But first, if you could just, it'd be great to nail down uh, on a more theoretical, theological basis. What would you guys view as the mission of the church? What does it look like for God to send and, and be on a mission with his people? Always after you, Simon. Oh, thanks for that, Andy. <laughs> 
you can you can correct me and, and, and fill in the bits that I that I miss out. I mean, I suppose really, I mean, one of the sort of a quote well quoted phrases comes from John Piper that you know mission exists because. Uh, worship doesn't or to use the the Anglican uh, church's articles that you've got that you know the chief end of man is to uh, glorify God and enjoy him forever and so that's in a way if you like why mission exists and Jesus makes it very clear doesn't he before he goes ascends up into heaven in Matthew 28 verse 18 and onwards that we are to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teach them to obey everything he is he's commanded so we have to we in one sense it's not a choice uh, that we can oh do i want to get involved in this mission in terms of reaching men and women for, for jesus is bringing them to him so that they can live in a way that brings god glory and, and bring glory to him through their their lives and, and what they do with their lives it's something we must get in, in, involved with and it's something right from the beginning that jesus places uh, on his church and because he god wants worshipers really as jesus said to the woman by the well that you know the father seeks those who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth so the church church's job is to go out there point people to 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 god and to 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 jesus so that they can be saved they can they can have their lives transformed and then they can start living in a way that brings glory to god over the earth i don't know if you want to add more to that from a theological point of view andy i remember reading a book a few years ago uh, i think by christopher wright called the mission of god do you read that simon I've got it on the bookshelf. Does that count? Ah, it's one of those books. It's, <laughs> it's one, one of those, those ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I remember reading it actually while I was in leading the church in, in Helsham at the time and it, it did really impact me and shape my thinking. And I guess the reality of Christopher Wright's message is that the Bible is the story of God on a mission. That is God forming a people for himself and so you can go right back to the genesis mandate be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with the glory of god with god's presence take god's presence from the garden and and bring the rule and reign of god right through the cosmos and of course the new covenant equivalent is matthew 28 um 19 go into all the world and preach the gospel making disciples uh, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm with you even to the end of the earth. And it's amazing how those two verses really parallel one another and reinforce the the big picture plan of, of God, that God is a God on mission, and we are very much junior partners in his mission. And And people will often like make false assumptions that the old testament is the story of the jews and the new the new testament is the story of the gentiles again it's it's a false dichotomy it's the, the whole bible is the story of god bringing forth a people for himself and he starts with one guy abraham and he says i'm gonna bless you and make your name great and I'm going to multiply your descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore, stars in the sky and he promises to bless the world through the seed of Abraham and of course the seed of Abraham is 
is Christ. And in the Old Covenant, the the people of God are substantially but never exclusively ethnic Israel. And the New Covenant, God's people are increasingly Gentile, but it's a mixture of Jew and Gentile. So there's a real big picture story right throughout the Bible of God being on mission for a people for himself, and that's what we're caught up in as his followers. Hmm. I love that, that that picture of Matthew 28, if you like, the Great Commission being a, a recommissioning of the, the, that very first chapter in Genesis 1, where you know, verse 28 and onwards, where it says, go into all the world and subdue it and rule over it. And of course, as you uh, rightly pointed out, Andy, that back then when Adam and Eve were perfect, they would have naturally done it in a way that brought God glory. There would have naturally been no sin. There would have naturally been everything they did in the natural would have been to, would have brought God glory all over the earth. Whereas, um, obviously, because sin came into the world, now we it needs to be through Christ. It needs to be through that re- redeeming work of, of uh, Jesus. But of course, yeah, so it's, uh, the Great Commission is like a recommissioning of, of God's original plan there. Hmm. I think something that Chris Wright picks out in, in his book, which is quite good, I think, is that relationship between... Um, in a very practical sense of you have God, you have his people and you have a place. And I think he uses God, people and land as a, as, as a sort of triptych that works together and grows together. And it's sort of like a, like a stone being, being dropped in a lake. The ripples expanding just as the covenant expands, this unfolding theology first with Adam and Eve and then Noah and Abraham and David and, and, and culminates in the new covenant that we have through the blood of Jesus and this mission he gives us. Uh, and and through all of these, there are these links of God and, and his people who are called to him and this space for that to happen, which for us is the whole earth. And we see that expand over time, which I think is really beautiful. I love the fact that it's Chris Wright. You're obviously on very close terms. I call him Christopher. <laughs> But he's, he's Chris to his mates. Me, me and Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I also love... It's just Mike. CW to me. <laughs> I also love the fact that so much of the Old Testament, when you read it closely, is about God on mission. So you think about the mm. book of Jonah, for example, and all about God expanding Israel's horizons to the the Gentiles. I, I remember years ago, I actually stood in the Syrian bit of the British Museum and uh, you're surrounded by these murals and carvings that are utterly demonic. They're horrible. And I had a bit of sympathy for Jonah, to be honest, thinking, mm. I wouldn't like to come here. Mm. This is nasty. But God's <laughs> heart is for these pagan nations. And I love all the Isaiah stuff about God's called Israel to be a light to the Gentiles. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, a, a much more powerful theme than we often imagine the Old Testament is. Yeah, and actually even you saying that reminded me, I think it's Exodus chapter 19, where God, even when, before he's given them the promised land, said to them that they'll be like a kingdom of priests uh, for the nations around them. So they had that, that role of representing God to uh, the nations around them uh, with the, obviously the, the hope that he'd draw some of them in as, as he did draw a, a few in, but obviously the majority or more came in after Christ and the mission was specifically given to go to the Gentiles. Yeah, and isn't it fantastic how that same scripture is then picked up by 
Peter in 1 Peter 2, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy yes. nation, a people belong to God. And what was true of ethnic Israel is now true of the new covenant people of God, Jew and Gentile. Sorry, Owen. No, no, no worries. No, I was just going to say, and it's, 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 it is lovely when you look through Scripture and you have that story of people being grafted in, whether it's, you know, those Egyptians who would have gone with the Israelites, whether it's Rahab. You know, we see those who are outside being grafted into the promise that God has for his people um, in a small way, sort of showing what he will then do through Christ for us, which I think is just a beautiful image of, of God's heart for not just a yeah an, an ethnic group, but for his whole creation, because God, through his mission, will redeem all of creation. It's not just humans. It will be the redemption of, of all that he has made, which we will see and, and, and we will rejoice in for eternity, which is is beautiful something i just wanted to get your thoughts on andy really was as a i know a keen study of of church history is is how you see that sort of mission of god and the mission of the church growing through church history from from the apostles to where we sit now obviously that's a, a large stretch but do you think there are certain times where the church has been potently on mission and that we can take something from that yeah very much so so i think the church was very very much on mission in its earlier centuries you know paul says in trying members of philippians or colossians all over the world the gospel's bearing fruit is that the first chapter of colossians it is isn't it yeah and 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 paul actually of course along with you know we only get the story of paul of course all the other apostles went and spread the good news and we get the story of the gentile world in the mediterranean but according to various extra scriptural sources you know it's thomas goes to india andrew goes to the russian world so there's a real spreading out in the first few centuries of the the mission of the church and and then of course you get the christianization of the empire and there's, I think that's where there's a, a real sort of lethargy set, sets in. It's almost like the church feels, well, job done. We've Christianized the world. And, of course, then you get the, you know, the 7th, 8th centuries, 9th, 10th centuries, where Christianity is actually losing ground to the growth of and the rise of Islam. You get then a, a resurgence of, of mission during the Reformation. It's interesting, the early years of, of the 16th century, as, as the Protestant reformers rediscovered biblical truth, there was no impetus at all to, um, to church plant. They had no concept of establishing new congregations, new communities, taking to the, the gospel to where it hadn't gone before. And it was only later under Calvin, who actually had an incredible heart for mission at the end of every sermon he ever preached, he said, you know, let what God is doing here amongst us, his people here in Geneva, let it be true amongst all the nations and all the peoples of the earth. What a prayer to pray at the end of every uh, sermon. And of course, there were churches planted by Calvin's followers all over Europe at that time. They planted mm. about 1,700 yeah. churches in France alone in a period of about seven years, but churches in Scotland, in Poland, in Germany, in Scotland, even as far as Brazil in the 1550s. Um, but of course, then 
lethargy sets in. By the early 18th century, the sort of hyper-Calvinism that says, well, God is sovereign, he'll do whatever he wants in his time, in his way, and we don't need to do anything, which is a complete caricature of of genuine Calvinism, which is, as I say, very missionally mind. That then is, is increasingly prevalent, and then along comes William Carey as, in many ways, considered, you know, the the founder of modern mission. There are people who are on mission before Carey. You think of David Brainerd, who was a contemporary of Jonathan Edwards, who actually died of tuberculosis aged 29, and he was taking the gospel to the indigenous peoples of North America. But it's, it's Carey at a time where people are exploring the world and discovering new continents i'm thinking about you know captain cook and the south seas and 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 discovering territories that europeans didn't even know were there and that is inspiring mission because of course it's realized that there are you know people groups who mm-hmm. uh, have got no concept of christian faith at all i guess you when by the time of the Reformation, Europe was, inverted commas, Christianized. That's not to say that everyone was a Christian, as we would understand the term, but it was thought that everyone was a Christian by the sort of standards of the day in the sense that only a few people were either Jewish uh, or heretics or witches but everyone else was nominally christian so europe was christianized and so as i say that's what led to a a lethargy and and then a resurgence of um church planting in the reformation and then in the 18th and 19th centuries of course the 19th century is massively important for mission and we've probably all heard of people like hudson taylor and uh, david livingston people like that but you know they're just the big names of of mission i love stories of people like john g Patton, who went to modern day vanuatu then the new hebrides and when he got there he's the first guy who is a Western European who isn't eaten on the beach. It was a cannibalistic culture. And he spent 50 years on a tiny little island and saw the whole island turn to Christ. There's only about 500 people on the island, but he gives his whole life as a very successful young evangelist, just inverted commas, wastes his life on reaching this unreached people group. So I, I love the stories of modern mission, both in terms of overseas and, of course, in a UK context. I love the stories of the Salvation Army, William and Catherine Booth, reaching the underclasses of London society. So, yeah, there's some of the the sort of church history edited highlights of modern mission, I guess. That's incredible. It's just great to hear about stories of, of men and women of great faith, isn't it? It really encourages my spirit to hear that. And you touched on something really, really great there on the end in terms of that dichotomy sometimes seen between mission where we are and mission with a capital M and the sort of the way that the church is meant to spread God's uh, purposes and, and, and glory through where they are and then further afield. It's, amazing to hear those stories thanks Andy that's great just wondering if 
on a personal note, we could just have a little chat about your guys' experience of, of, of mission, how that sort of first came into your guys' lives and people who inspired you. Where did you first see that sort of sending out nature of church as opposed to just church being a place that you you go of a Sunday? Yeah, sure. So for me, when I came back to God in 1995, I was uh, 16 years of age and I the church that uh, God brought me to was, uh, which is now called Citygate Church in Bournemouth, is a, what used to be Bournemouth Family Church. There, the uh, the man that was leading at the time, a guy called Roger Smith, had a phrase that he would um, often use that we're, we're to build the church to reach the lost and we reach the lost to build the church. And that was something that's always stuck with me that, you know, the church, he always had that view of the church is uh, on a mission, I suppose really we're always to be looking out and reaching our family that aren't that don't know Jesus our our neighbors our colleagues or schoolmates or whatever you know work colleagues that that you're in to be doing activities in your uh, local community so actually within a few months of uh, coming back to God I was helping down a soup kitchen and using that as a way to, to to reach out so yeah so that was very much like you were saying you know the mission with a capital M and mission with a small M but in that sense being local stuff actually local stuff was very important right from when I came back to God but there was also a group that was started because uh, at that time the church wasn't involved in anything particularly overseas we were for our connection with new frontiers but not as uh, a local church and the we, we started praying about stuff over overseas and those that had a heart for overseas work and then shortly after that we as a church started to get involved in in Uganda and Shortly after that, in 1998, I got the opportunity to go out to Uganda for the first time and uh, and see the work over there. And it just so happened in the, if you like, the sovereignty of God that on that first trip, we also, uh, I was going with one of the elders of the church, there, a guy called Ken Matthews, who later became my father-in-law, but that's that's another story. But he, we, uh, on that first trip, we also were exploring working with an unreached people group for from South Sudan called the Taposa people. And and it happened that we could sort of combine those two things together because the person was in Nairobi at the time. And so he went to Nairobi as well and able to meet them. So that, if you like, was my first experience of overseas mission. But prior to that, I'd been involved in lots of things locally for trying to reach people for Jesus, which is just as valid because, you know, I think if anything, the last sort of 70 years or whatever has shown us that if we don't, reach the next generation and those around us very quickly the nation uh, will fall away from its, its christian heritage yeah i guess for me growing up as a young uh teenager in uh, a church in liverpool right from a very early age i became a christian when i was 11 and I knew that part of being a Christian was to share my faith with people who uh, I was at school with, people who I came across. And so I'm, I can still remember, like, I'd just become a Christian, started a new secondary school uh, a month later. And after a couple of, a few weeks at my new secondary school, I finally plucked up courage to share the gospel with my friends and I remember still feeling the the huge apprehension and nervousness of would my friends reject me? Would they think I was a bit strange because I was saying uh, I was a Christian? And of course, that was a time where we we were much more self consciously Christian in our culture as a as a nation, and 
So, of course, my friends just said, well, we're Christians too. And to explain, no, you're not really. And, and then, yeah, I can remember as a teenager, a few years later, starting all over again because I my my parents moved from um, Liverpool to uh, to London and there I felt like I was with an unreached people group because I spoke I spoke in a, a, an accent that was so strong that I virtually needed a translator and I felt like I'm I'm on pagan territory in London here <laughs> uh, but there we are I I stepped up and, and grew in confidence sharing the gospel and then when, I see you adopted the language as well, Andy. Well, indeed. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, there was a contextualisation issue, really, Simon. Yeah, to, 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 be, to, to reach the Southerners, I became a, a Southerner. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, I went with the barbarian hordes. So there we are. It was like, so yeah. And then when I became a pastor, I think probably two or three years into me becoming a pastor, I got an invitation completely out of the blue to go to um, a town called Krasny Luch, which is in eastern Ukraine, where you can't go these days because it's rebel-held, pro-Russian rebel-held territory in what is now disputed territory between Russia and Ukraine. And I went there and did a whole week with the church there. So it wasn't a mission trip. I was just teaching the church on church history, actually. But it it really opened my eyes to the beauty of the... Uh, the diversity of the universal church that here was a bunch of people who for the hundred years prior to me going there had uh, lived in persecution and oppression and difficulty the the pastor i was working with had been arrested by the 19 back in the 1950s in khrushchev soviet union he'd been put in a gulag he'd been uh, stripped of his right to study at university enormous cost for following Jesus in a different cultural context. And yeah, here was a beautiful local church. And uh, so that was my first taste. And then through somebody else, through Martin Dunsford, who led the church that uh, I now lead here in Southampton, he he took me on several trips, as I'm sure he's done lots of trips with Simon as well. And we, we travelled to all sorts of different places. And it was particularly places in, in Eastern Europe that really grabbed my attention, and especially Bulgaria. So I guess I've probably been to Bulgaria about... 50 or so times over the years. I, I obviously have not been very recently because of COVID, but I, at some the, the height, I was traveling there you know, six or seven times a year for short trips and really to strengthen and encourage the church there, take mission teams, do stuff with them, but really partnering with the local church in helping them reach their community with the good news of Jesus. And so while I was leading the church in, in Hailsham that Simon leads, we were able to do some some great stuff with the churches in Bulgaria. And of course, that continues both through the church in Hailsham and uh, through KCC here in Southampton now. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's something that's um, 
I, I know I, I know a lot of people in this church and myself really appreciate in terms of a, I think a legacy you've you left there Andy with the links in Bulgaria I know it's something that a lot of people are incredibly passionate about here I've, we've got a, a blog coming up where Rob Sutton's speaking about sort of the way that his heart has been sort of pulled towards helping the worship guys in Bulgaria and I think it's it is amazing when you see a church get excited to be partnering with other local churches and, and they see the growth of that church and them and, and the relationships that are formed I think it's a, a really amazing amazing thing um, i think and- um two specific highlights for me of the relationship between the churches in bulgaria and the church in Hailsham. one is very missional actually that the church in in bulgaria asked us if we could help them build an astroturf football pitch to serve the teenagers uh, and kids of that community because there was no decent facilities to to play football and I was thinking to myself initially we don't have the money for that I don't think they realize how much that's going to cost but it's amazing what God can do and I remember thinking do you know what I'm going to try and find out how much this is going to cost and I ran it just typed in AstroTurf second hand and I found some AstroTurf that was being sold in the Midlands near near Leicester actually and uh, I just bought it over the internet and then made arrangements for it to be shipped over to um, Bulgaria and then it got laid and it served the church there for years and I love the fact that mission is not one-way traffic just before we um left Hailsham, Georgi, the pastor of the the church in Bulgaria, had always had this dream that his worship team, who are fantastic worship leaders and singers and musicians, could come and serve the church in Hailsham. And so we arranged for them to have a week in the church in Hailsham and they had a bit of a holiday. And on the Sunday morning, they led worship and they led so magnificently. It was just beautiful beautiful and what we didn't really tell the church at the time was none of them spoke any English they just (laughs) memorized the songs in English and everyone thought they spoke perfect English but they just spoke English with either a slight Californian accent if they were singing a Bethel song or a slight Australian accent if they were singing a Hillsong song (laughs) but they had no English whatsoever amazing that's great. That's great. I mean, I do love. I love that fact that being involved, as you say, in mission is not just a one-way traffic. It's a two-way thing. And I love that over the years as well that you can build just such quality relationships with with people that blesses them, but but definitely blesses the church here as well and enriches our experience. And one of the things I love as well about going or taking teams to places is it can be a completely different culture you can as Andy's pointed out not speak the language but you can feel at home when you go there with another local church you can suddenly feel that sense of yet yeah, God is here and you feel at home with these people and vice versa hmm. yes you know that they're they're brothers and sisters and I think that's something that was very clear when we we took a team out to Uganda I've done for the last couple of years before COVID and that was something that a lot of people said when we went into churches over there you know it's just family and it it feels like you're with brothers and sisters just you know different language different culture but but we are all linked together and and i think that's something really really beautiful amazing i think it'd be great to chat a little bit about some practical ways you guys having led churches and and 
currently leading churches, what would you say are some of the best ways that churches can equip um, just every day you and I to work and to reach our friends, our families, our workplaces? What are some things you've you've picked up over your time in churches that has helped equipping yeah the, the church body for mission on a really sort of local practical level? After you, Simon. Again, okay, okay. Uh, well, I think discipleship is is key in that. In, in fact, our one of our sort of cultural values is is sending, and our discipleship we, we put under that because like discipleship happens in the context of mission. Jesus says, "Follow me." To his disciples, he says to uh, the church or to his apostles, as he's sending out, "Go and make disciples." It's not like you know, just come and receive. Uh, sort of theological training or acquire more knowledge it's it's much more than that it's about it, you need knowledge yes but it's about obedience it's about it's about action and so I think uh, in your discipleship of people there's a sense in which you're 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 helping to equip them and encourage them and it, to, to go out and to, to speak to people and find out how they're they're doing that you can also I suppose there can be various things that programs and things like that you can put on as a church that help people to engage in missional activities but they're very much if you like that they are an activity you put on what you want is for people to have it in their everyday life when they go into the shop they see someone that needs that that, that they get into a conversation with and they offer to pray for them there uh, and then and that, that sort of thing comes out through through the discipleship relationship that you that you can build with people over time obviously preach into it and, and uh, teach into it and tell give testimonies uh, into that as well that encourages people to do that and not just the the successes the times when you fail like when I was at the garage the the other week and the the mechanic came out and he had a limp and I thought yep I can do this I can go for this I can pray for his healing so I asked him what was wrong and he said something wrong was his knee and so I plucked up the courage and prayed for his knee there and then and he sort of uh, looked awkward and said thanks mate and hobbled off and I was like okay well you know I tried Lord I'm happy to look a a fool for you it'd have been great if you'd healed him but you know that that sort of thing also encourages other people to think okay I, I can give this a go and if they if they fail then uh, they don't, you know, they sort of feel, well, you know, size failed at that before as well, sort of, <laughs> sort of thing. It encourages people to, to, to do it. I love that. I love, you know, uh, just stories of both successes and and the failures as well. I remember Alan Scott a few years ago when he, he wrote that book, Scattered Servants. He, he coined this phrase, I can't quite remember it, but it was basically your, your best stories are not your biggest stories necessarily. Something like that. And just yeah. like, you know, going to the barber and having your hair cut and, and sharing the gospel is a missional opportunity. And, and just grabbing that and sharing that as a story, and it may not be that you've, you've got the story finished, that they don't immediately fall to their knees and say, what must I do to be saved? But actually... You in even sharing, you know, the failures, the the fact that you prayed and nothing seemed to happen, you're that is sending such a clear cut message to the local church that Simon's sharing that we are missional. It's not about going to Africa, yet yeah, that might be a part of it, but it's actually being prepared to share. Uh, your faith and step out with the guy at the local garage. I remember um, 
when we first moved from Southampton to Sussex back in 1991, the church in Eastbourne at that time had an evangelist called Lex Lazidus. And Lex was legendary for his ability to turn every and any opportunity in life into a gospel opportunity. And I can remember, you know, if if there was a celebrity, some famous um, sports personality or politician coming to Eastbourne, Lex would make it his objective to get to the event. And he was quite a small, skinny chap. So he had an ability to get through gaps that nobody else could get through. And he'd end up at the front of the queue sharing his testimony with all sorts of people. And he, he had a personal tract and he had a great story of how he'd come to Christ and he would just share it with everyone. But not only would he do that, he would encourage us as the church to share our stories. And yeah, it was, they were not always the most great ending stories, but you created a culture in the church to consistently be looking for opportunities to, to share the gospel. I think on, on a bigger picture, going back now over 20 years, Stonely Bible Week was huge for you know Simon's generation when he was a teenager. My generation, when we were had very small kids, in raising the profile of world mission. Yeah, I don't know whether I've either of you have seen recently the Rob Glover documentary Children of Shanghai and how God called Rob as a social worker who was based in beautiful island of Guernsey to be partnering with the Chinese government in fostering an adoption programs, moving China's orphans away from state-run institutions, orphanages. And it's an amazing story. And God first called Rob and his wife Liz to China at Stonely Bible Week. And I can remember appeals to calls to the nations at Stonely and subsequently the Brighton Leaders Conference where hundreds and hundreds of people would be flocking to the front and responding. And I think we've got to find new ways of, I think, where's that in in our generation of, of calling people to go to the nations? I think it's a real challenge. I think it's there in embryo. I think someone like Andy McCulloch in Catalyst is is doing that as the family of churches that Simon and I are involved with. But I think there's so much more that we can be doing in really catching people up in uh, global mission. And that's what it means to be an apostolic movement. Apostles are about people on mission. And we get caught up in apostolic ministry when we get caught up in global mission. Mm. Now, I th- I'd like to chat a bit 
just to finish actually a little bit about that sort of the the relationships that we have through through Catalyst and New Frontiers and the way that sort of changes how we view mission and 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 shapes how we do mission but sort of before that I think it's a it's a good point that you make Andy in terms of how people enter in hearing about what God is doing I remember growing up things like New Day when they spoke about the church plants that were being supported that was a that was a big thing for me and but but for me it was sort of coming here and hearing size heart for the guys that he was working with in in East Africa and sort of chatting to him when he came back hearing stories about all that God was doing that's what really excited my heart for for mission in a, in a a new way but it linked back to something that had happened years before which was at new day when they did a a call for zimbabwe for a, a thing that um scott scott marks was running called love zim and i remember going back to Oakfield and saying you know can we do this on a sunday can we can we pray for zimbabwe and we did and it sort of it's it, there was so many things that linked back to that in terms of that I prayed for that area of Africa uh, for a while and, and, and sort of now being slightly more involved in that area is, is incredible the way that God shapes that. So I think it is really important to have those those areas where people can get excited about what God is doing and be swept along in the mission that he's doing. But yeah, as, as, as I say, I suppose to sort of conclude, uh, both of you guys have uh, a sort of a good relationship within uh, Catalyst and you guys are quite sort of aware of what's going on. How do you th- feel that being part of an apostolic uh, movement such and a group of churches such as Catalyst shapes the way that we do mission as a church? I think I'll let you go first this time, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, I think in, in the old days when we became part of apostolic movements we tended to think about well who is covering my church we spoke in those terms and who oversees my church well actually the people who oversee your local church are your local elders actually although i do believe apostles care for churches but i think actually the bulk of apostolic ministry is catching up local churches in mission. So I love Romans 16, where you can't really understand, I don't think, Romans 1 to 15, which is the densest theology in the Apostle Paul's portfolio without understanding Romans 16. And Romans 16 is largely a whole bunch of names, about 20 names, I think about 11 guys, nine girls, something like that. And, and they're people that Paul is partnering with. So it's not systems and structures. It's genuine apostolic relationships and partnerships. And uh, Paul is obviously writing to a church where he's never actually been. He's heard much of them, but he's not visited the church. But he is appealing to them to partner with him to help him reach the unreached. Obviously, he's thinking there of Spain in particular. And you know, and and the whole framework for doing that is relationship. So I think that's a great framework for us to operate in. Uh, Catalyst is really just a label that we use to describe a network of relationships whereby we as local churches can be caught up in apostolic 
mission. And obviously there are particular individuals within Catalyst who we would recognise as having apostolic ministry, people like Simon Holly, people like David Devonish, but actually we as a whole movement of churches can be caught up in apostolic ministry. And I, I love the fact that, you know, you kept using the word relationship there, Andy, and it is that relationship. We're, we're involved in it together. It's not just them doing it and we, you know, send some money to other people to, to, to do it. We're actually all involved in in that work together. We have, and and one of the things I love about Catalyst and Simon Holly and Dave Devonish, his approach to things was that with the you know the local churches actually they want you to be involved and they you know and they also it's very much what's God calling you and catching you up into and can we help can we pour in our wisdom our you know shared resources speak into that situation so it's it, it it's not it's not control in that sense but it is there is a there's a wisdom there's a there's there's an input that 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 I think you know we as a local church definitely value and want to uh, receive that that input uh, in into our lives as we get involved not only what they're doing but also the things that God's calling us to do as a local church and then we pull in their wisdom and other people's uh, wisdom so it's that it is that relational that relationship that God joins hearts and together and also there's those common values that we we have together as well yeah, I was chatting to someone the other week, actually, who, who comes from a very different church background, different denomination. And we were speaking through what it looks like for us to be in spheres, for us to see apostolic ministry as something for today. But without that enforced top down leadership that sometimes we see through heavy hierarchical church systems. And, and that's not to say that, you know, we do everything right in New Frontiers and, and Catalyst and others don't or that other people should only follow what we do. But I think there's something with it through relationship-based partnership rather than location-based that reflects biblical leadership and through partnering and relationship you have that ability to ask someone in so for instance if you have within the leadership here if you have a situation you know Andy and so to ask Andy and to bring his wisdom is not strange and it's not Andy going I know what's best for your church you know it's through relationship and through partnership and speaking through relationship that you gain wisdom and, and advice and I think that's really amazing and really pictures that relationship well I think that's a good point you raise there as well because you know that it, it, it isn't just about you know new mission that we're doing in a sense that other places it is about continuing the mission in in the local churches and there is a lot of wisdom to be to be to had within within catalyst and you know like like you mentioned andy there as well i mean he's he's downplaying what he does but he leads he leads a, a hub if you like within in catalyst a, a smaller group of churches that kind of look to him and we do you know there is that wisdom that we can we can pull in when there's a situation or there's complications or there's things that we don't know or are not really sure what to do we think well oh, this might be the right way it's always great to have somebody to to ask and to say you know so what do you think about this and so actually we tried that and it didn't work do this instead or you know or or, or to say oh yeah no, yeah that, 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 that seems right for me or even to say well well you try that and tell me if it works and I'll do it <laughs> very yeah. good 
incredible amazing i think probably we'll sort of pack up there for today thank you so much both of you for your your thoughts your wisdom for coming on the podcast really enjoyed chatting through this um and hopefully a lot of people will be blessed by the wisdom you guys have brought so thank you so much for joining us thank you for having us really good aaron thanks Thank you.